0: The Holy Gospel comes to us today from the book of Matthew. To you, Lord. As a preface to the reading, I remind us that this is the fourth week in a row in which we have a reading right from Matthew 21, verse by verse by verse. Jesus is still on the steps of the main temple, having the great final last will and debate with the chief priests. Matthew chapter 22 has begun. Now once more Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to, all, to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen, my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it. They went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized the slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, into the main streets, and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets, They gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe. He said to them, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot, throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called... But few are chosen. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and his Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without the wedding clothes And the man was speechless then the king told the attendants tie him hand and foot throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are invited but few are chosen ouch amen can I get an amen Amen. the Lord ain't being too nice and polite on this one amen Years ago when I was in college, I was a sophomore in college, my sister was near the end of high school, my parents, they told us as spring break was approaching, they said, Craig, we're going on a family vacation, and I rolled my eyes, and I was like, oh boy, here we go. They said, we're going to Jamaica, and I was like, yes! Anyone been to Jamaica? One, Carol, yeah? Phenomenal, right? All the jerk chicken you can eat, amen? And it was wonderful. They showed what we were going to be doing, and it was one of those nice all-inclusive resorts. My sister and I, we, we began to get a little excited. And then, of course, on the day that came when I was packing my bag, my mom said, hey, Craig, I need you to know you, you need to pack a really nice outfit. I said, w- what? And she said, you need to pack a really nice outfit because one of the restaurants we go to one night, you need to have a nice slacks and a button-up shirt. And And if you knew me in my prior life, my slacks were were jeans and my button-up shirt was a Harley t-shirt. And I said, Mom, um, that really doesn't make sense. She goes, Craig, if you don't wear this outfit, you don't get into the restaurant. And I rolled my eyes, I let out a sigh of, uh, of a deep breath, and I said, whatever, Mom. The days of wearing suits and nice dresses to church are come and gone. The days of dressing up, I, Alas, I heard, I, I don't think in Congress over in D.C. that uh, they are taking up the debate anymore on the dress code. I mean, dress codes are a thing of the past, amen? For some. But me giving these examples, quite frankly, is just trivializing the, the text before us this morning because Jesus isn't trivializing anything. Jesus isn't just reducing us to a dress code. Jesus is giving one of these last parables. This is in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus' final parable to the chief priests as they stand outside that temple court talking about who has the authority, who has the authority to be here, who has authority to preach here, and who is it that God is electing to be brought into the heavenly realm when that day comes. And Jesus gives them this parable, and notice in the parable, notice in the beginning... Again, Jesus uh, talks about this king, this master of the vineyard, last week in the parable. This, uh, in this week's parable, we have the king, we have God, who sends out an invitation. There is a wedding. The wedding feast is to be had. And the king is excited. The king is ecstatic that his son is about to be married. And he sends out the invitation into the streets. He sends it out to the, the, the choicest of guests. And what is their response? Nah, I'm not packing that outfit in my suitcase, right? What is their response? I don't really have any need to go to the king and the prince's wedding. The king is disappointed. Disappointed to say the least. He pulls the servant aside. He said, "Hey." I want you to go out. I need you to send out another message. Maybe they didn't get the first invitation. Maybe the Postal Service lost in the mail. I don't know exactly what happened, but please send it out again. And they go out all throughout the countryside, extending the invitation and again. And again, the response is, some went back home to the farm to work. Some went up north to their businesses. And the rest, they took those tenants, and they beat them and killed them. Again, Jesus gives this image of the prophets showing up, extending the invitation, giving the words that need to be preached. And what do they do? They either ignored them, went back to work, they're more busy in their home, or what do they do? They took those prophets and they beat them and killed them because they did not like the message, the invitation they had to share. The king is furious now at this point. One last try, he sends the servants out, and he says to the servants, he says, you know what? Just go gather anyone you see out in the streets. I don't care if they're good or bad. You bring them to the hall. We are going to have a feast. We are having a wedding, and I want people at the table. Beautiful image, to be honest. And the servants, they do that. They go out there, and they gather people. And as the king, as he comes out onto his balcony overlooking the dining hall, as he's preparing himself to make his great entrance, he hears the laughter downstairs. He hears the joy. He hears the clanking of glasses. He smells the rich food—the the ox and the fatted calf—and they are enjoying the feast. And finally, the king comes out on the balcony. And there are people all dressed in the finest robe, that gift of a garment that was given to them as they came into the banquet, as they came into that wedding hall. They were given the wedding garment. Why? Because they are a part of the wedding. They are a part of this feast. They are a part of this gift. And there, the king, with a smile on his face, he finally sees all the guests that are present and accounted for, except he notices the one. I've got to be very careful where I point. Let's remember I'm not the king, right? He notices the one sitting there that does not have the wedding garment and he approaches him and it's bold, it's uncomfortable. He says, you kind sir, how did you make it in here without the wedding garment? And the man was speechless. Speechless. What is this garment that we're talking about? This garment is God's pure and utterly beloved grace. This garment is the gown that is placed upon all that God has elected. He has placed it on them as a gift to them, as a gift as they enter into his presence, as they enter into the castle, as they enter into his kingdom, as they enter into this place where they finally have the best feast they could ever imagine, waited their entire lives wondering if they ever had the possibility. Remember those who were obviously on the slate, they rejected it, they cast it out. They ignored the invitation. The invitation was given time and time again, and they did not care, but finally these people People who could just long for it, who saw all of the best and the finest make it into the kingdom, they are now there. And that garment, that gift, God's grace is given to them. Not by their own doing, by the way. Notice it really has nothing to do with the invitation, it has everything to do with the gift. So if that garment is grace, let us understand the man without the garment who stands there speechless. I want to read an excerpt from a sermon from Charles Spurgeon back in the late 1800s, right as we were cresting into the 1900s. If you remember what was going on in the world then, we were right on the precipice of the Great War, as it was first called, World War I. We were right on the precipice in which the culture was falling apart. Go figure. Humanity has a, a great history of repeating itself over and over again. These are the words of Pastor Charles Spurgeon. Yes, he was Baptist, but he was one of the finest Protestant preachers of his time. These are his words in regards to this speechless man. Who is the man that has no wedding garment? I should say this first. He is the man who rejects God's revealed gospel, that he may follow his own thought and his own wisdom. He says that he is loyal to Christ, and he expects all his fellow guests to be firm friends with him, for is he not in the banquet as much as they are, he might think. But he does not mean by loyalty what they mean by it. He is among believers, but he is not truly of them. He talks about atonement, he does not mean substitution. He talks about the divinity of Christ, but he does not mean the Godhead of Christ. He talks about justification by faith, but he does not mean the old-fashioned doctrine. He speaks of regeneration, but means evolution and progression. He girds himself with the garment of philosophy, but he refuses the robe of revelation, for the cut of it is too old-fashioned for him. He is no more a wedding guest than he is a Mary Andrew, perhaps not so much so at all. He wears raiment in which the robe of righteousness and the garments of gladness are not to be seen. The looms of free grace and dying love have never woven him a wedding dress. His robe is not of God's provision. It is from his own wardrobe, He glories in his own culture, and not in the revelation of God, nor yet in the work of divine grace upon the heart. He is in the church, but he is not in Christ. He has a name to live, but he is dead. The man was speechless. The man was wearing his own wardrobe. He was not wearing the garment, the gift. Brothers and sisters in Christ, it's not the invitation that matters the most. Notice that the invitation was given time and time again but oftentimes that invitation, oftentimes that gospel, that good news is rejected time and time again. It's first rejected by those who did not care to even hear the king's invitation and again it was rejected by those who were more concerned about the farm and the business. They were less concerned about the feast that is to come. And finally the king, he sends out the servants, he says go I want the people here. I do not want the people outside the kingdom walls. I want them a part of the kingdom. I want them present. I want, this, want them at this meal. I want them to be wedded to my son. And he gives them the gift of the garment. But there are some that somehow still heard the invitation, still come into the space, but did not receive the gift of the garment. The garment is a, given by, a gift given by Christ. It's a gift, a gift that's given and desperately needed. At the risk of sounding very, very careful in light of all things these days, all around the world, what we are debating, what we are seeing, are those that are debating the invitation, those that are debating whether or not they want to hear the message, those that are debating whether or not they want any involvement in the wedding at all. All around the world, just as Charles Spurgeon preached over a hundred years ago, we have those that want to proclaim God, want to proclaim the philosophy and the knowledge of it, but have no interest in receiving the true gift of Christ. And it's not a receiving as though we have the ability to actually make the decision. That is what separates what I love, dear Martin Luther, and many of the rest. It's not about your uh, receiving of the invitation, it's not your choice. Notice that there were those that rejected the invitation, and notice that there were some that accepted the invitation. At the end of the day, who gave the garment? The king. They did not have the garment. In fact, the one being that came into that presence with his own garment, by his own choosing, what was the response? He was speechless, first of all, because standing in the presence of the king, he realized there is nothing to be said, and the king's response is quick, and it is harsh. Bind his hand and feet, throw him out into the eternal darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Brothers and sisters in Christ, let us give thanks that we've been invited into that wedding banquet. Let us give thanks that you've heard the message of the servants. And here you are. Let us give thanks today, right here. Right here is where that garment that wedding garment is given. Right here is where that garment of baptism. Right here is where that invitation is proclaimed. Right here is where that gift is given and placed on. Right here is where we eat and enjoy the feast. Right here is where we no longer have to fear any potential of being thrown or cast out of those, uh, those castle kingdom doors. Right here is where Christ crucified comes to the space and we are part of the wedding. And when we are wedded to Christ, Christ is with us. And when Christ is with us, we have nothing to fear. Amen? And because Christ is wedded to us, because we have nothing to fear, we have the gospel. We have the good news. We have the good news that that judgment of that wedding feast is now absolute, 100% love and acceptance of those who have received the garment. We give thanks for that garment. And I end with this thought. This is difficult because we live in a time in which we've been convinced, we've been informed that every single person under the sun is going to be a part of that wedding feast. And as harsh as it sounds to say that, is there the possibility that some might not? Well, Christ is clearly stating that right here in our text this morning. He's looking at the Pharisees. He's looking at the chief priests and he says... You're more interested in your robes. You're more interested in your philosophy. You're more interested in your own personal truth. But Christ, that is a wedding that we are called to. And Christ is the gift. He is the groom, and the church is the bride. We are all a part of that wedding. And that is good news. So dear servants, you too, as soon as this wedding feast is done, we know that there is going to be a feast over and over and over again. And you too are called to make that invitation known. You too are called to bring them to the waters, to the garment, to the, to the wardrobe of God's kingdom, in which we too get to reign in that garment. We too get to sit around the table. And we too get to stand there in the presence of God, the King and his smiles over the feast. Thanks be to God. Amen.